2019 marks the 15th series of Gareth Jones on Speed, and we're inviting sponsors to join this highly popular show. If you have a product or business you'd like to promote to this podcast's 35,000 regular listeners, we'd like to hear from you. And we're certain our on-speed downloadists would love to hear about your product. Unless, of course, it's a special offer subscription to I Hate Fast Cars magazine. To find out more about sponsoring this podcast, drop us a line at onspeed at garethjones.tv. That's onspeed at garethjones.tv. Thank you for your time. Hello, I'm Gareth, he's Zog. Hello. And he's Richard. Hello. Have you ever wondered, if you were running a car company, what you would call your car company? Remember when I interviewed Richard Perry Jones the other week, he said, oh yeah, I invented my own car company and I had my whole range of cars that I imagined myself running. I did yeah, that when I, I was a that. kid, yeah. did you? And my car company was called Garjo, of course. Gar- oh, yeah. okay. The Vulcan was the sports car. Okay, I can um, imagine where that inspiration came from. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Terra was the 4x4. I can't remember what the Mini was called. The Sub or something like that. But I imagined my whole range. So, you know, if I was running a car company, at least I'd have names for my cars. But running a car company is ruddy difficult, as Jaguar have just found out recently, or Jaguar Land Rover. Richard, you probably know more about this than any of us. Which aspect of Jaguar Land Rover is causing the most damage at the moment? Because they've just had to lay off, what, 3,000 people? Is that what they're saying? Uh, no, it's been more than that. But it's, and it? it's not the people building cars. This is all in sort of what you might call back office or white-collar things, like marketing and stuff like that. Yeah. going to feel the axe. And the problems, I guess, are threefold. The Chinese sales have collapsed. Yeah, what I read as sort of the main it, cause of the rethink. And, the you know, that's become their biggest export market. Yep. The diesel thing, they were heavily reliant on diesel. They yep. do have petrol engines in their range, yep. but probably not as extensive and suitable for the market. I mean, they only have a petrol four-cylinder, two-litre turbo, which, of course, everyone does these days, you know. Ingenium. Ingenium, yeah. It's been reported as being a little bit noisy and crude, the Ingenium, not as smooth uh, as other engines. I don't know. I've never driven the petrol one. The diesel one is... Yeah, it's a bit right. thumpy. Like a lot of engines, it's not just the engine itself, it's the installation. And I thought it was a bit noisy in a Discovery Sport. And then just by chance, I had an XE mm-hmm. hire car. Wow. With a diesel engine in it. And I was really taken aback by how pleasant it was. Mm. Well, I like the XE, it's a nice car to drive. But this was just sort of. You don't really see many good. of them, though, do you? XEs? No. You see loads of them. Not in my visual acuity. <laughs> you mean, well, on your street, I haven't seen any, but yeah, it's, loads of them. it's one of my favourite looking cars. I think it's brilliant. I love the proportions of it, that little bobtail sort of boot and then the long bonnet, and I think in the right spec. Big enough wheels. Big enough wheels, and there's quite a lot of different wheels, and a lot of them yeah. are quite attractive. And the ones that aren't sort of the smaller ones, you're right, don't look yeah. quite as good, but I just love the proportions of that car. I think it's, it's, it's a grower, as good mm-hmm. Jags should be. They just seem mm-hmm. to get better looking. And a lot better looking than the XF, which is sort of the same styling ideas, but the proportions aren't quite right because the tail's too long. Mm-hmm. Anyway, no, Bogo XED. Diesel, quite pleasant and quieter. That's the thing. That engine in the XE seems to be a lot quieter than I remember in the Land Rover. Anyway, that's the problem. So diesel, I guess their range was skewed toward diesel because traditionally that is particularly Land Rover. Big SUV buyers tend to go 
diesel because yep. otherwise, you know, a, a supercharged petrol Range Rover is a fairly thirsty bit, car. Bit expensive and if you live in Dubai or somewhere where petrol's really cheap, that's okay. But possibly in a lot of the US, they'd rather have that. They don't go big on diesel. And rest of the world, though, would rather have a diesel Range Rover. You live in Bradford. You're not going to... Uh, well, if, yeah, if you look at Bradford, pocket. you'd probably yeah. wake up and find that Project Khan has put some appalling <laughs> extra grills on your car. <laughs> Stop doing that! Um, <laughs> you told them now. Poor old Jackie Rolando. So it's a combination. It's not one brand or the other. You say sales have crashed in China. Is that because the Chinese are now buying their own brand cars, they're buying other international branded cars, or are they all buying these fantastic cheap electric cars like Zog, you flagged up? Bigger selling electric car in China, is that 80 mile range thing we talked about a while oh, back yeah, on the I show? Can't, I can't remember, I can't remember but, either. Um, is it because uh, no, they've got electric? There's all these sort of tariffs going on on their imports and stuff like that, and there's, there's hmm. just uncertainty about stuff like that and luxury is that goods. A, is that affecting cars from Europe? I well, it's a bit a, weird, isn't it? Because I thought it was a US China exactly, thing, but... Yeah. But yeah, it seems but like I think that there's they, some uncertainty about. I, well, actually, do you know what? I should have checked this. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Never knowingly over research. But all I know is that their sales have fallen yeah, off a yeah, cliff, and I don't true. know the underlying reasons for it. But it can't help as well that I think China's probably more of a petrol market. And if you have all the Range Rover petrol engines, I guess they put a three litre V6 mm-hmm. in there, but otherwise it's a five litre V8 and a Chinese tax threshold at four litres, which is why a lot of luxury car makers brought in four litre engines. Bentley, mm-hmm. that four litre V8 that went into. Uh, all their cars was precisely because it it dipped below the tax thing which the 6 litre W12 didn't and same with Mm. Aston you know that AMG V8 it's now the DB11 4 litre for obvious horizons relating to the Chinese market and Mm. so I guess maybe Land Rover and Jaguar's engine range isn't quite as comprehensive as some other rivals, and that means they just can't take up the slack on the lack of uh, demand for diesel all of a sudden mm. in other parts of the world, particularly in Europe. And then the other thing is also the whole Brexit uncertainty. Shit them a little bit because they haven't trying to hedge their bets. You know, their new factory in... Um... Graz? No, well, oh. yes, yeah, so Graz is the contractor... Uh, Magna, Magna Stea are yeah. making the E-Pace and the I-Pace. I-Pace is going great guns. They're, They're just... making the E-Pace out there? Mm, yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, there's just been a massive cock up there. Did you hear about this? No. Some E-Paces. I don't know how many, but basically a load of E-Pace... I think the plural is E-Pice. A- E-Pie. Yeah. <laughs> a load of E-Pace owners in the US discovered that their cars didn't have loads of the infotainment functionality, including, I think, the sat-nav. The system wouldn't work with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto, which they just introduced with great fanfare that you know, which everyone seems to want now. And Jaguar had to sort of red-facedly admit that these cars hadn't been fitted with the correct modules no. that would permit this functionality, and they can't oh. retrofit it. Oh. What? I know, which seems extraordinary. You can't retrofit it. I presume it's just well, too expensive. Particularly given that this sort of has to do with infotainment stuff that you'd imagine would be more software reconfigurable yeah. than most bits of the car there's, but then again a, you know some module or if something, you but... yeah but the sat nav is going to need you know, oh, there's a lot of extra gubbins gps, GPS and stuff of, that, but hmm. i don't know i can't quite get to the bottom of how much stuff wasn't fitted because it hmm. sounds like it was just some kind of a mission of like a software wow. upload but they're basically offering anyone who's got one of these cars that doesn't have the things they've paid for six hundred dollars back well, um <laughs> which is a bit but the thing is because that car's or, made or a bag with a garmin gps yes, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> those little bluetooth speakers a couple of like cable yeah. it's just it's, it's such a weird thing and, but because that car's made under contract by magnus Steyer, presumably they're 
the production people. It's their screw up. So I imagine there's been some shouting at somebody. I'm sure yeah, they'll all have a factory elsewhere in Europe as well. In Austria, they use Magma Steyr, but they've got a place in it's not Bosnia, is it? It's one of these. Uh, Slovenia. 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 Yeah. That'll yeah. come on stream and it'll be going to make the discovery. And, and then the tip is it's also going to make the new Defender. Right. Which is on the same broad platform, sort of platform yeah. as the Discovery and the Range Rover. How so. do you think that's affecting things in the UK? It's not manufacturing, you say, that they get rid of people. No, no, I think that's all separate, but there's a bit of kind of wailing and gnashing of teeth. Oh, how dare Land Rover move production abroad? And it's like every other car company's doing this. You spread mm-hmm. the load, and particularly with the uncertainty mm-hmm. around Brexit move production to somewhere where then you do have sort of frictionless movement of the goods and the parts you need to make the cars in the first place across the continent, it makes perfect sense. Every other car company is doing that. Jaguar and Land Rover need to do that. And they do already have factories in Brazil and India and places that make cars for local markets. But they need to just sort of spread the load a little bit more, mm. particularly with the Brexit thing looming. And Isn't Brexit brilliant? Uh, mm. No. Correct. And so, yeah, they're just behaving in a very sensible way, and it's probably a little bit overdue. But that's the other thing. There's a reason why the E-Pace is being made at Magnastea and the I-Pace. The E-Pace particularly, because that is a kind of volume model, mm-hmm. is because they just don't have the capacity to build it at mm-hmm. the moment. Mm-hmm. Do you know what else is made? I only found this out this week. Do you know what else is made at that Magnastea factory? Uh, go on, go on. Go on. No, uh, yeah. uh, well, they used to make the Rapide, but not anymore. But I do know this. I know this. Hang on. Um, I was reading this this week. Oh, God. Um, it's on the tip of to rush you. Yeah, go on. Well, I, the, uh, the Mercedes G-Wagon has always been made there. Yeah. Uh, the, oh, the, the, the armoured G-Wagon they make there, don't they? The, they make the, all G-Wagons there. Really? Yeah, always have. I thought it was just the armoured one. Uh-uh. But also, B&W have had a relationship with... Yeah, all right, just hang on. I remembered. <laughs> go on. It's certain minis. No, not anymore. Oh, sh- uh, what? I was hey. just going to say, so BMW had a long-standing relationship with Magnus Stair. They did used to make the Mini uh, Countryman, Countryman and Paceman yeah. there. Yeah. Those have gone to the Dutch Mini factory now. Of course, Ned Carr, that was. Weird thing, though, Magnus Stair are currently making five series to take up the slack because they can't make enough of them at their other plants in Germany. But now, Magnus Stair are making the new Z4 and... The new Toyota Supra. Because it's the same car. In many ways. The new Supra is coming out. The new Supra is coming out of the same factory as the electric Jaguar I-Pace and the Mercedes G-Wagon. Wow! What a a mixed bag of cars. But but this is an intriguing, gives you an interesting insight into one of the ways that the modern car industry has gone. Absolutely. What proportion would you estimate of the new cars that are on sale right now, Mm. in terms of sales numbers rather than particular models, but in terms of the number, what proportion of those cars are made in factories that are churning out cars for several companies as opposed to a Toyota factory or a Ford oh, factory? Ooh, that's what a good question. I um, say, great question. Let's have a think. I don't know. Specialist subcontractors. Interesting thing that's going to happen is that the goal of all car companies now is commonality and platform sharing. And platform sharing is a much more sophisticated thing than it used to be. One of the crucial things about platform sharing is that different models built on the same sort of matrix of parts should be able to be built on the same production line mm-hmm. so you can be flexible and switch things mm. in and out. I remember years ago talking to someone at Ford when the S-Max came out. And I said, won't this steal sales off Mondeo's? People won't buy Mondeo Estate. And he went, well, we really don't mind as long as they buy one of these. They're going down the same line. People can order whatever they want from this, you know, Mondeo, different body styles of Mondeo or Galaxy or S-Max. Just buy one of them, please, and Mm -hmm. it'll keep a unit shifting down the line and the line is flexible enough just to accommodate demand. Mm -hmm. And that's got even more complicated now. And so as, for example, Vauxhalls move on to a Peugeot Citroën box of bits, as they will increasingly, then in theory, if the Ellesmere Port 
factory that's currently building Astra's on a GM platform. Next Astra switches to be on the same box of parts they as the build. Peugeot 308 and all yeah, that sort of stuff. Yeah. They could build 308s yeah. in, in Osmia Port mm. if that factory stays open. Or, yeah, they can make Astra's mm. in Mulaus or wherever yeah. else they're making Peugeot's or Citroen's. You know, that's the mm-hmm. thing. The same with all this sort of random stuff where VW Group cars are not always made where you think they're made. They're like their factory, I went past it on the train recently in Brussels, the factory in Brussels which was making Audi A1s Mm-hmm. The new A1, I think, is being made down in Spain at Seat factory because the Brussels factory is now making the e-tron, the electric Audi. VW have got places in Dresden. They used to build the Phaeton and, yeah, yeah. and elements of the Bentley mm. there as well. Yeah. Lots of Hyundais and Kias are built in uh, Balkan countries, I uh, believe. Yeah, got, they're in, in Hungary as well. The Audi's got a factory in Hungary. They make the TT mm. there. Mm. And do the Q7s come out of Hungary now? I think, don't no, they? No, they come out of... Uh, oh, another Eastern European country. Is that Slovakia, perhaps? Q7's Look Q8 it up. Save like us a job. Yeah, but mm. it's amazing. It's just that's the thing. And of course, if you say to someone, oh, where's your BMW X5 from? They go, it's a German car. Yeah, in Germany. Yeah, it's like, no, it's made yeah. in America. Yeah. Same with the big Merck SUVs. There's all manner of famous stations. This is why it's, I think Land Rover, Jaguar need to catch up because it's the same way. And we've talked about this on the show before. You flip over an Apple computer and mm-hmm. it says designed in California, made in, in China. China. Yeah. The designed in California bit is their way of going, so look, we've got this. Don't worry, it comes yeah. from the mothership. It's still a genuine proper, authentic Apple product yeah, from those folks. Thing, so, and I don't think, will people be bothered if you flipped over a Discovery, like the Duke of Edinburgh, uh, <laughs> would, if you got his hands on one? <laughs> yes, sir. And it said, made in Slovakia, designed in Britain. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Transits and Rangers are built in Turkey, aren't they? Uh, Rangers are built in Thailand South well. Africa for right-hand drive. Are they? I think so, yeah. Thailand, they used to come from mm-hmm. Thailand, but I yeah. think right-hand drive now comes from South Africa. Do you know the five-cylinder engine in that? Ford Ranger. Is it the same one that once was in a Volvo? I don't know, actually. It might be related, but you know the horrible old car journalism cliche about how Paul's like a train? Yes. That five-cylinder diesel <laughs> at the Ford Ranger is literally used in a train. <laughs> is it really? Yeah, little, oh, really? Little commuter trains are going to start using this country and they use that diesel. Hey, ah, which makes an interesting link back to the Bugatti Royale, which unused engines from which were used to power locomotives and possibly a submarine really yeah because wow. you know bugatti went bust yeah having yeah. only sold a handful of royales mm. and they had some engines left over and they were used for a bunch of other was the bugatti royale sold in america as the bugatti quarter pounder with cheese <laughs> yeah and a vastly reduced price <laughs> <laughs> well bugatti were built in france where do they build bugattis uh, now mo- where are they now? Mm. Um, um, what's it called? Down in sort of Al- uh, is it Alsace region? Molsheim, is it? Or something like that? Well, Molsheim is where they used to build them. That's where they still are. Really? Yeah, yeah. They built a new factory in the EB110 period, didn't they? That was in. Oh, that was in Italy. I did some research on this ages ago, and obviously now forgotten it all. But about the build process of the Chiron, and they put temporary underbody. You know, it's got a flat underside. They put temporary panels on underneath and slave wheels rather than the real wheels, so they keep them for best. And they cover it in protective film. And then it's driven. They do a massive road test, including going to a local airfield where it gets taken up to sort of high speed and stuff like that. And then goes back to the factory and then they sort of rebuild it. It's just like... re some stuff. Yeah, yeah. Everything. Oh, no, it, everything's torque to... They have those torque guns now, which they have in a lot of car factories, I think. But this where the torque gun is set... So you tell it what you're doing up. Yeah. And it will automatically go to the correct torque setting... 
but then every time you do it, it records what happened. And so there's a file that you can look up and go, okay, chassis number this, what torque setting did the gun do for this engine mount? Mm. That's big data, isn't it? It's is big data. Mm. Yeah. And so that they can always check back. So if something comes loose, they can go, well, no, it definitely wasn't the right torque setting because it's all been... Yeah. A lot of complexity in that, that part. That, that's intriguing, actually, that they do that much detail. I like the idea that you can then track down the reason why something failed. Yeah, it's very sort of aeronautical, I suppose. Yes, isn't it? it is. Yeah. Yeah, 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 or very. I wonder very if space industry actually the engine for the Bugatti Chiron. It's two W eight. Yeah. So I wonder if the, yeah. yeah, I wonder if part of that was built in Dresden as well. Um, if the engines are built in Dresden, or just assemble the cars so there. No. Who knows? We have more questions than yeah. answers, but it's intriguing. Isn't Okay, Britain. What's happening in Britain in terms of manufacturing? I read just recently that Toyota and Panasonic have formed a joint venture to develop solid-state batteries and better batteries for electric cars here in the UK, which is very interesting and exciting. And I wonder how that will affect the Deeside Toyota engine plant in North Wales. It's a Welsh Toyota. It's a Welsh engine. So we've got Toyota manufacturing for Europe in Burniston in Derbyshire and the engines in North Wales. We've got Nissan making Nissans and some Infinities. Infinities, that Infinity, which has got a die soon because the Merc A-Class it's based on its old generation so yep. you know GLA it's based on isn't it? the GLA is about to be replaced so yep. yeah yep. and also they just sell no cars whatsoever yeah. I mean where are they all going I'm not too sure that line's running I mean what are I mean, they I, doing with the cars to me it seems like it's a pretty invisible brand in Europe to infinity and beyond yeah, yeah. I don't even yeah. think it's really holding its own in the US to perhaps the way it used to I don't think it seems like they've probably lost the fight to Lexus but yeah and then they're building Nissan Leafs out of Sunderland and they build Qashqai's mm-hmm. which they can't build enough of can they the Qashqai uh, I, do, yeah, I so well. guess so yeah, yeah they always used to be running flat out for them and of course as we heard this week they won't be making the X-Trail there no and we've got Ellesmere Port King making yeah. Opals and Vauxhalls they make left hand drive Opals as well as Vauxhalls uh, yeah I think it's, it's like the European centre it's the only place that makes the Astra state oh they, is it the they, only... send, oh, okay. they send them abroad and we've got BMW making minis and engines for smaller BMWs. In, Ham's Hall yeah. in Birmingham. And we've got Jaguar Land Rover, who we've discussed. We've got Ford making engines and transmission components in Bridge End. But that's all now they do in uh, Britain, No, they it? make diesel engines in Dagenham. And yeah. they still make... Well, now, I don't know who owns this, but the factory in Bridge End is still making the... Jaguar. Jaguar V8. Yeah. V6s, I guess, because it's the same engine, basically. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. But then those will be phased out. And they're supposedly... I don't know, it's been a long time coming. They're supposed to be the latest member of the Ingenium family is a straight six. Oh, mm. really? Sort of downsized straight six, which I guess I probably... Know. I like a straight six. I love yeah, a straight six. I love I had one for 20 years nearly. I love a straight one of, six. One of my neighbours has got an old BMW 3 Series, an E36 for BM. Yes. Whatever. Oh, yes, yes. And it's a 320i. So it's petrol straight six, you know, which they never do now because it's like two litre straight six. It's, mm. just go, look, take one look at it and go, there's too much friction in this. And it's be a four cylinder, it'd be a four cylinder with a turbo. <laughs> with a turbo, yeah, yeah. It's just absolutely stock and it's really tidy. And when they start it up, it makes an absolutely lovely noise. You just can't mm. beat it. Those BMW straight sixes, nothing makes quite the noise like those. And then as it drives off, you yeah, see no, that they're a very and you highly can, regarded engine. And you can rest a 50p piece on it, can't you? And it won't vibrate off. Are oh, you sure you're not thinking about the Audi five cylinder? I think no, it was a BMW. <laughs> no, I'm not sure. Right, it was the B12. I think it's a BMW B12. Yeah, famous. Because they're not. I remember there was a reading something where Jag, before they brought in their V8, you remember that there was what was the AJ6 straight six engine, yes. which yeah, is yeah, new yeah. in yes. the XJ40. And, Lovely. And a Jag engineer went, the ideal that you want 
from an engine for what we were aiming for is the power of a BMW straight six and the smoothness of a Lexus V8. And unfortunately, with the AJ6 and AJ26, what we've got is the opposite of that. <laughs> yeah. So, it's just sort of suggesting that the BMW straight six was a bit rougher than they wanted. But I mean, yeah. straight sixes are inherently very smooth, generally, aren't they? So, all this engine <laughs> manufacturing that we've got going on in the UK, and there's a fair amount of it, is probably the opposite of what we need at the moment as we move further and further and further away from internal combustion engine cars towards hybrids, range extenders, pure electric cars, all our production capacity is in the wrong area at the moment. We need to be doing more electric motor manufacturing and battery manufacturing, don't we? That's what we need to do. Well, just to bring this back round to Jack Land Rover, on the same day as a sort of doom and gloom of uh, laying off a load of people, they did also announce a big investment in new battery manufacturing which is going to be oddly enough in Hams Hall where BMW have got their engine plant oh, same right. thing which is one of those areas it's one kind of brownfield areas where they think they're doing you know, build stick up big new factories and yeah they're going to spend a load of money building batteries and related technology for what used to be called alternative propulsion is now going to be just yeah, propulsion mainstream yeah so they are at least doing something in that direction because you're right it's been overstated a little bit you know VW said that they'll launch their last new petrol engine in I think 2026 mm. and everyone misread that as VW is going to stop making internal combustion engines in 2026 they're not what they mean I assume is that basically the engine that they're going to introduce in yeah. 2026 well that's going to last 10 years or so oh at least so they're basically mm-hmm. blocking in at least another decade of internal combustion engine vehicles yeah, based on that yeah, and the rest. If you think yeah, yeah. about like, all those VW engines up until quite recently, the EA888 and all those ones, they were all based on the 70s mm. first sort of inline fours that VW did, water-cooled. Yeah. VW make an engine last, and there's no reason to think they won't, so yeah. yeah. But or, what they're just or, saying or is case, that, it, that, that it, so much more money will be going into electrification and stuff, and then, yeah, the internal combustion engine will become ultimately sort of received to being a generator. Become, and, be less than, yeah, yeah, the internal combustion engine is slowly on mm. its way out. Actually, another one, sorry I keep banging on about Jack Landry, but we did sort of start talking about this because they were in the news recently that actually the next new engine from them I think won't be the straight six which maybe is I don't know on hold but uh, gay six yeah (laughs) (laughs) there's going to be a three cylinder oh yes and and this again is where it's going there will be new internal combustion engines but they'll be sort of downsized in a way that will be so that they just super high efficiency they're eking every last bit of efficiency because they're designed out of the internal combustion engine yeah but they're designed to work alongside some form of electrification yeah so they could be smaller and they don't have to work at low speed because they're... Ford, this last fortnight announced a refresh to the Mondeo range with a three-cylinder, I think, hybrid version of the Mondeo. I know mm. they've brought a hybrid estate for the first no, time. No, it's a two-litre four. Is it two-litre? It's they're not using the, Is it? No. Because you can um, buy a Mondeo with a three-cylinder yeah, engine. Yeah, that one-litre. I figured that's what uh, they'd be doing. Have a look about the problems with that one-litre EcoBoost engine. Oh, really? It's not good. Yeah. Really? Oh, and we'll leave it there before we're sued. Is that right? (laughs) Yeah. Mm. Oh, hello. I'm calling from Motor Industry Monthly Magazine. Can I talk to your PR department, please? I'm writing an article about Carlos Ghosn, and I was wondering if somebody there could answer a few questions. Uh, just one moment, please. sorry to keep you. What was the name of the person you are calling about? Carlos Ghosn? Chris Jones. Oh, 
Uh, no, not Chris Jones. Carlos Ghosn. No, I said Carlos Ghosn. No, no, Carlos Ghosn. Carlos Ghosn. Yes, that's right. We're talking about the international car manufacturing business at the moment. We talked about a lot of the big players in the UK, and we'll talk about the big players in other territories in a moment. But we haven't talked about the smaller specialist manufacturers in the UK. Morgan build, I think, three cars a month, don't they? Something like that. They're still knocking them out. I don't know how many cars they make, actually. Because you look at pictures of their factory. You can go do a tour of it. Mm. It's quite good if you like, you know, woodworking. But but they always look quite busy. How many cars are they building? I think they must be building about the right number. Yeah. Because, you know, they're still still in business. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're never going to bother any decent-sized car manufacturer competition-wise, but they're still in business. Yeah. They're making the cars that they want to make and giving employment to a bunch of folks. So I think they're selling exactly the right number of cars. And they've got a new car coming. Entirely new platform. The rumour is it's the old Aston Martin VH platform, the last generation one. What? And they bought Aston. It's no secret. Aston sold the design for the old shape Vanquish, which has gone out of production now, to somebody, a mystery buyer. And I guess it comes with the rights to the platform. It's quite nice. Aluminium and Morgan Mm. have coincidentally Mm -hmm. said they're calling it the Morgan Wide Body. That's right. And they released a teaser photo, which is basically a teaser photo of a roller shutter door, which doesn't really help, (laughs) although maybe it was made of aluminium. (laughs) And then, so two and two together, it seems like maybe Morgan has bought some parts and bits in the platform off Aston Martin. Could Morgan build an Aston Martin? It's a good question, isn't it? It seems like a bit of a... A leap, yeah. A leap from what they're making now. Mm -hmm. Don't you need a kind of a fairly, well... Aston Martin kind of factories. Having, yes. having talked earlier about how actually a whole bunch of cars get built in a bunch of different places. Yeah. But all of those different places are, I'm sure, much, much bigger. Yeah, not sheds than in Holborn, the yes. Morgan yeah. factory. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't been to the Morgan factory, but it always looks sort of delightfully higgledy piggledy. And I've been to the Aston mm. Martin factory in Gaydon, and that is a proper car factory. It's not massive, but it's modern and clean, and it's probably bigger than you might think, and mm. it has a production line. You'd think Morgan's next car would have been... Do you remember the Morgan Life car? Do you remember that concept that they came up with a few years ago? Which I think was a hydrogen fuel cell car designed by Hugo Spowers, I believe, who's the man behind River Simple. Mm. That's where he sort of, not cut his teeth, but where he was immediately before River Simple. All right, if we're talking the little manufacturers, we're over in Malvern, you take the same accent, you go over to the east side, you get them at short Norfolk like that, you get people building Lotus. Now, what's going on at Lotus? Lotus are talking about making a, we don't call it a 4 by 4 what do we call it? We call it a crossover, SUV. SUV, SUV isn't it? It's, uh, yeah. Do we like that idea? Come on, Zog, you don't even like the idea of Porsche making an SUV, A Lotus you? SUV? Yeah. No, no, I don't. We've got enough SUVs. Mm. Everything's uh, an SUV now. We don't have enough Lotus sports cars, so... Yeah, I say... I'm remaining open-minded. No, I'm staying open-minded. I I want it to be light, and I want it to be... In the same way that... Do you remember in the 60s, all cars used to be upright? 
and then we went to sort of wide, low 70s cars, then we went sort of upright again. You know, we call the current trend of car, the crossover, an SUV. It's not really, it's just the current fashion for a bigger, taller hatchback. That's how I see it. I think the I-Pace is that sort of crossover taller car that's more like a hatchback than anything else. And if Lotus want to make a car to help them stay there, I'm down with that. I love the Lotus. That format, it's sort of an SUV, but it's actually much softer and more urban oriented like the and Kona. it's really a kind of a big urban run around mm. a big practical urban run around you know that is a very popular sector right now so mm. uh, it would make sense for anybody to you, build one of those as long as you do it well but you like the Kona the Hyundai Kona yeah it does exactly what you want it just works beautifully it's nothing surprising or odd about it, it just does the job who else are manufacturing cars in Britain? Who have I missed? There must be someone that we've missed out. Caterham, still going strong. Oh, uh, bless them, they yes. They launched a new configurator on their website recently. It's quite good fun. Have a little jazz you, around. You love a configurator, don't you? I do you? like a configurator, fun, yeah. mad, or completely insane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not as fun as, obviously, like the Porsche one. The new 911 is now up on the Porsche configurator, and you can go a bit nutty with that and go, yeah, I will have a bright green one with green wheels. And red seat belts and all manner of shenanigans that would make it literally unsaleable. But the Caterham configurator is quite jaunty because you just go, oh yeah, you know, so you, you go sort of a bit trad and have a British racing green one, but then you stick an orange nose on it, or do sort of golfy colours or whatever. Good fun. And they seem to be still hanging in there. Yeah. And uh, so more power to them. They're nice people. They certainly are. What um, happened to Xenos? Are they well, still making cars? They sort of went out of business, I guess, because they stopped making cars. So yes. Mm. But I thought then someone had tried to rescue them i forget now and they're sort of far booed they became something else and they were around and they're not so then... far booed so no good. aerial aerial doing fine aerial doing, doing great. great and there's new atom latest atom which i think is pretty much brand new right. then they've got the nomad and they're doing a motorbike as well don't they do a motorbike the now? So aerial like yeah the, the nomad is the one i was i've never driven one but i just look yeah, at that and go that mm, looks like a lot of there's like, kind of yeah. nobody needs that car and yet anyone with any sort of petrol in their veins would go I deeply want one of those because yes. it's just ridiculous and, and then somewhere I can drive it properly yeah but I'd love to have a go on it just on the road because it's got a lot of squish in it and I imagine it's hilarious well I gather it is hilarious but yeah even more hilarious if you've got some sand dunes or something oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've just remembered the connection just thinking about Aerial there has launched me to the other British based manufacturer who make quite a lot of cars that we've forgotten about in Swindon and share an engine with oh, yeah. Aerial yeah, Honda oh, of yeah. course are knocking out Civics yeah. and the Civic Type R I think Swindon is the only place that's making it for the US I think Interesting. Civic hatchbacks come from Swindon. So the Civic Saloon is made, I guess, is made in the US, maybe. It's, but anyway, mm. should have looked this up. But uh, yeah, mm. if you've got about Honda, easily done because yeah. they sort of don't make a lot of noise about well, it. Well, I'm concerned. You know, I'm without a car at the moment. I've been trying to decide what car to replace my old Sora with. Mm. And you can tell that I'm now 57 because I considered a Honda. I was thinking, <laughs> people over 50 buy Hondas. I actually considered buying a Honda, thinking about the CRZ. I'm probably not going to buy that now. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I, think I just I've... saw one yesterday, saw a blue one. I was like, that is a really mm. sweet little car. Though. Yeah, great. If my, if my two sons weren't as tall as me, I would probably buy that car. But I want the idea that I you, could fit them both in the back you know, at some point. A bit, a bit more headroom. Yeah, yeah, a bit more get your knees in room. Yeah, there's no room in the back. But that's another discussion what uh, I'm going to replace a Sora with. Yeah, I, I, big I, discussion. So, yeah, what, Honda. TVR? TVR. Thank you, Saga. TVR. Mm. 
Now, the Welsh car company, TVR, (laughs) they've run into all sorts of problems, haven't they? To do with planning permission and government European investment at the head of the valley's position. It's absolutely stymied in bureaucracy, which is going to throttle them before they get a car built. So they claim. I mean, there's something else, is there? Let's be honest. So what happened is that they took a... It's a bit of a cover for other problems. I I think the last we heard was basically was a tie-up with Gordon Murray Designs. Yeah, 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 Gordon Murray's designed that car. Yeah, it's based on his ice stream principles and Cosworth have done the mods to the Ford V8 and, yeah, all very promising. Exactly, yeah. And then they agreed to do the factory in Wales and then they received money from the Welsh Development Agency, I suppose it was, but that, because that technically was in return for a portion of the company that is government investment and EU rules say that any work that's done on the developing the factory has to go out of pan-European tender mm. so if they didn't know that then that means they didn't do their due diligence before they accepted the idea of money from the WDA mm-hmm. or they did know that and in fact the car is running very late and they're blaming it on the EU because mm-hmm. people who buy TVRs probably hate the EU <laughs> yes <laughs> that's just my hunch anyway could be wrong it's a shame that watch that- this space anyway it's a shame that that car is a tvr and not a gilburn being built in wales do you remember gilburn used to make a car called the genie before the invader there was a car called the genie yes and if it's built with the ice stream method they could have called it the ice stream of genie oh very good thank you very much nice vintage, vintage tv yeah reference. no one else in the entire universe yeah. under the age of 50 will get that joke sorry tvr that seems to be a while off right so mm. let's talk about the electric elephants in the room Tesla have laid off how many? 1,500 to 3,000 people recently? 10% of their workforce. I, I, I think their workforce is 45,000, isn't it? They've got quite well, a, sort of a surprising number of people, people work. Yeah. Yeah, Four of them. But we knew this. About 10% yeah, of the Yeah, it's, it's quite a chunk, isn't it? That's but we knew this was coming, line. didn't we? Because we knew that they took on lots of extra people to get production of the Model 3 ramped up in that tent that they built, mm. which they never intended on keeping long term there was just what's the word buffering you know they were sort of buffering 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 and then once they debugged the system and the manufacturing was more automated all those people were going to go so i think it's probably less of a shock to those people than it is to anybody else but it's also that's not the way that any other mass producing car company does it as far as i'm aware i mean i suppose you might take on temps to ease bottlenecks but taking on thousands of people just to lay them off again when you think you've got the process sorted out is not an efficient way to do things that just means you haven't planned it properly in the first place which goes back to the thing about that making cars making the actual sort of stamping out tin boxes is hard and the arrogance of tesla and elon musk and assuming it's easy and they can do it better is once again proven to be slightly misguided. However, they are starting from a different starting point than other car manufacturers. In coming to this market from a standing start without being an established manufacturer mm. with factories and experience and established supply chains and so on. Well, in fairness, you know, Fremont may- is a car factory. It was a Toyota factory. They just they bought it off Toyota, so it's not... Uh, okay. I, I don't know what yeah. they bought. I yeah. presume it was more than just a shell, but sure. I don't know. It was, okay, but I think that my point is more that, that they're just starting from a completely different point. They're starting from more or less zero, yes. whereas... Yeah. So, the smart so they're going to do, necessarily have to do some things differently to other manufacturers. Yes, um, and so they should have more power to them in that respect. You know, when they go, why can't a car have a portrait aspect touchscreen which you know at the time seemed a complete novelty and actually mm. now everyone's copying that because it's, mm-hmm. it's it quite a clever idea well, yeah. 
But then also, why can't it have a drawing pad that you can access through a secret menu and all that sort of stuff, the fun stuff? And you go, yeah, you, know, you can't imagine Toyota or Ford or someone doing that. It would mm -hmm. seem too frivolous for them. Mm. But Tesla, as these newcomers and these disruptors, as they like to imagine themselves, I suppose, because they're Silicon Valley-type people, they can do all that stuff and that fun stuff, and that's mm. brilliant. And their cars are hugely desirable. But I think where they fall down is that they sort of assume... In that same way that, you know, when sort of like Haas came into F1 and went, oh, we'll mm -hmm. win in our first season. Mm -hmm. And that sort of, F1's easy. I don't know why everyone's making such a fuss about it. And then kind of learn the hard way as they plod around near the back that it's more difficult than they thought. And it's the same with this. Just don't make out that it's like, hey, Ford, GM, you've been doing it all wrong. I mean, clearly they're doing some things wrong, but they're clearly not doing everything wrong. And they do mm. know the sort of oily, nutsy, boltsy, how to stamp out metal panels and assemble them to tolerances and things like that. I mean, if you read some of the quality issues on, on Teslas, a, yeah. they're schoolboy errors. It's ridiculous. Although it's interesting because I quite recently test drove a Tesla Model S. And yeah. just because they called me out of the blue, I think because I'd probably left a card in one of their showrooms in West London, yeah. the one at Westfield probably. And I guess they're on a bit of a marketing binge at the moment in London yeah. and... So I get it caught. I'm sure the cars that are being used for road tests are properly checked over to make sure they haven't got anything wrong with them. Mm. But I have to say, you know, one of the things that was impressive about it was the build quality, mm. the feel of it. It seems like a properly put together vehicle. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's been in production for a while. Now. And I think the S and the X seem to be less prone to these sort of silly glitches and problems. Mm. It's interesting, though, because I've been following people online talking about Jaguar iPaces. And a few people I've read taken delivery of their iPaces and their ex Tesla owners. And almost the first thing because you know, people online like to do this kind of hey so here's what i found so far and, and almost you guarantee i've read this three or four times at least the first thing a former tesla owner who's bought an ipace will go is number one build quality this thing feels so much higher quality than my old tesla it's like the, and, mm. and, and let's be honest yeah. the ipace has had a few glitches in its early days and there's a black screen of death problem they've got with the infotainment apparently going down that's being fixed with a software update but anyway by and large i think it is probably a higher quality feeling car than certainly the earlier tesla model s's but but the Model 3 seems to be where the real issues are because they're just they're banging them out. You know, there's 5,000 cars a week that they're always aiming for. Rear bumpers are falling off when it rains. Yeah, I know. I mean, again, like schoolboy error. Yeah, that's an odd one. But, so I went to the US for Christmas and as I came out of Los Angeles Airport and the first thing I saw drive by, the first car that caught my eye was a Model 3. Mm. First time I've seen one in real life. And then almost immediately another one went by. There's loads of them in LA. Oh. But obviously a big hit there. It's a funny car because from some angle, it certainly looks like a Tesla because you almost go, rear three quarters particularly, you go, is that a Model S? No, it's narrower. It's narrower and it seems taller. A lot of angles, it's a nice looking car. It's a handsome car. But then from head on, you know what car design is called tumble home. That's the angle of the side windows, mm -hmm. you know, how much they sort of slope inwards mm -hmm. when you look at the car from head on. It doesn't have much tumble home. It's almost like a sort of Fiat Multipler. Oh, wow. How, how upright the side windows are. I guess mm. they've done it for interior space reasons. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, it's got a bit and, of space thing. And then it makes the windscreen look very tall. So from head on, uh -huh. it's a really gawky looking car. And yet well, from the, every other angle, it's actually really attractive. The windscreen mm. does reach back way yeah, beyond the help. head of the house. driver. Yeah, it looks, It's got this sort of funny duck face from head on. Yeah, it has. Yeah. gawky big forehead. And yep. then you've got these funny sort of... Like, the yep. headlights look like eyes. But it is 
an incredibly desirable car. I kept seeing them around and going, I wish I had a presence of mind. There's a thing in LA and parts of the US called Turo where you can just rent someone's car, basically. Like an Airbnb for cars. Mm. And apparently there's loads of Teslas on there. If you want to drive any kind of Tesla, any of the three models, you just go on Turo and you can... Interesting. What's it called? Turo. Turo, I think. T-U-R-O. Turo, right. And I wish I'd done that and just had a Model yeah, 3 for a couple of days just to see what it was like. Because I just look at it and go, yeah, that's a desirable car. And it's a shame that they're sort of having these quality problems and they're being a bit gung-ho almost about it. Yeah, we can make 5,000 cars a week, even if we have to keep hiring and firing and doing all sorts of other silly things that mainstream manufacturers don't do. Wouldn't do, yeah, yeah. But I look at it and I go, yeah, I can't wait for that to come to Europe because mm. it looks like it's a really nice looking car. It's got problems. And- coming to Europe though hasn't it there's some suggestion that the homologation has been delayed for what reason I Do don't know, know just what? sticking it through the certification I don't know why there was some suggestion and this is not substantiated that the central screen because everything is on there including the speedometer mm-hmm. and there are rules around that and obviously there are cars with central speedometers minis the old Toyota Yaris had the instruments there it's doable but there are certain rules about eyeline and things. Mm. I don't know how Tesla will get on with that in Australia because you can't have a central speedometer oh. in Australia if it's at a certain place. Minis, first generation BMW's Minis, Aussie models, that massive central speedometer became the rev counter. Yep. And the speedo moved to behind the steering wheel because they couldn't meet Aussie rules. Huh. Uh, I think we've said this on the show before, yeah. yeah. I don't know whether Tesla will fall foul of that, but there's some suggestion that maybe the homologation is delayed because the there's European like- legislators are questioning certain aspects of it that don't quite fall with it. I don't know. Mm. That's just speculation. I've seen it being mentioned. I'm sure they'll get round it. It really would be dumb if they screwed that up, but I don't think they have. I'm sure it's just that there's always a bit of give and take. Hey, look, we've interpreted the rules this way. La di la, but it's got to come. Otherwise, they can't keep selling all yeah. their cars in the US. This mass production thing only works if they start selling all around the world. Yeah. Beyond the Model Three, Tesla are going to bring out the Model Y. <laughs> Model yeah. Y, why are you making? Which is a sort of SUV kind of crossover, about the size of the Hyundai Kona, I think. I keep mentioning the Kona. I'm sorry, it's a reference point. It's about that sort of size. Is oh. it? I think it's maybe a little bit bigger because I think it's a is Model it? Three crossover. So it makes the Model Three platform right, but it's a hat mm. shorter and taller yeah yeah mm. I don't know actually I don't know. Mm. I mean, that's the thing there's been no sightings of any prototypes or anything mm. like that but then Tesla don't seem to do a lot of prototype testing which is why their mm. back bumpers <laughs> thing fall off <laughs> because and they, then, they go straight to production and then they're talking yeah, about a proper testing to yeah. pick, pick up and a truck as well at some point uh, and that roadster well, oh and the new roadster Elon too Musk yeah, is now yeah. saying we'll fly and when you say pickup and truck, do you mean... God, really? That's some, that's some good weed. What? Wait, what? wait, I missed this. What? What? Oh, he was making some claim that the Tesla Roadster's going to be able to fly. He's... I thought... I, I read that he said, said it was, it was going to be the fastest accelerating... It was going to be no, the I think fastest I mean, accelerating thing I, I only saw this <laughs> mentioned as a sort Which of pull quote, and I didn't get a chance to look into it, but I don't know if how much he's saying these things tongue-in-cheek. That's got to be tongue-in-cheek, because at the same time that Uber is planning flying Uber services, yeah. your Tesla Roadster that's going to be the most accelerative thing ever is not also going to be a thing that flies. No. You could make another Tesla that isn't the most accelerative thing ever that might fly. It's not going to be the Tesla Roadster. Unless right. you had a Regalo wing that you could deploy and a fan that folded out the back using the electric motor, then it would fly in the way that that... The paraglider. Yeah, thing. Is that what he's suggesting? Yeah, whole... Oh, I don't know. Because one of the things is, and I know a couple of people have got deposits down for Tesla Model 3s, but they were lured in by the promise that the entry level would be sort of £35,000. Mm. It's like the $35,000 one, that was the big headline grabber when that car mm. was announced, still hasn't materialised in the US. Mm-hmm. 
And it's sort of not really a secret that they can't do it at the moment because they need to get this production rate up and consistently at a high level. Before they can sell it that cheap. Yeah, Yeah. at the moment they'd be losing money on that price point. So there's only the mid-range and the top range. And I kind of find it a bit disingenuous when some of the sort of American websites, the kind of, you know, the electric car ones, where they're sort of super pro-Tesla and they're like, we can't wait till Tesla brings the electric car to an affordable price point. And I sort of think, well... That already exists. Yep. It's the Nissan Leaf. Yep. It's like, and there's that new long-range Leaf they've just announced, yep. which is sort of 30-odd grand, and it's got a usable, decent range in it. And hmm. It's here. It's been here for ages. If you just yeah, do it, mostly it, city miles, buy a Nissan Leaf. They're cheap. It doesn't have the desirability. The no, well, that's the thing. It of, doesn't. But if you purely, uh, if you really but, believe in the whole thing about we should move to electric power, cut localised pollution, all these sort of things... Just go and get a Leaf. Or if in Europe, get a Zoe. I don't know. St. Elon is not going to save the world. <laughs> there are other ways and means of doing it. But yes, you're absolutely right. Nothing is somehow as desirable as a Tesla. There's something about them. And it's partly because they don't do everything the same way. Yeah, you get into a Model 3 with a little credit card or with your phone. You kind of go, well, that yeah, sounds no, good. That's Assuming that's, it works, yeah. that sounds great. different. We've pretty much run out of time. We haven't even mentioned the fact that two of the biggest car manufacturers in the universe, VW and Ford Motor Company, have agreed an alliance. I mean, they've already got an alliance in terms of commercial vehicles that they're already working on now. But they're talking about crossing over into other vehicles mm. as well, which is fascinating does this mean that the Amarok and the Ranger will be the same car does this uh, mean yeah that's yeah, the plan yeah think. does this mean that the Fiesta and the Polo will become the same car mm. will the Mustang and the Corrado it doesn't exist anymore become the same car who knows that's a fascinating one to watch I'll be intrigued to see how that plays out as you know I'm obsessed with Ford and how they operate and VW who have been one of the most successful models for a car company internationally in the last 30 years no one does it apart from Toyota perhaps as cleverly as VW do in terms of economies of scale and sort of just enveloping the Ford Motor Company into that I think is what's going to happen that's going to be an interesting one to watch as an aside on that note VW I went up to Argyblog in Sweden where a load of car companies do their winter testing and VW Group are so huge and their demands are so great that they have their own 440-room hotel up there. Really? Just to accommodate all their engineers for winter testing, and it's still not big enough. Well, Everyone else has to rent houses in the town or stay in the public hotels. For security reasons, apart from anything else, VW, you know, so the engineers of the next Golf can sit at dinner openly discussing the next Golf and won't be eavesdropped on, except perhaps by someone from Skoda who's on their side. Mm. So it's a good security thing. But it's also just that gives you an idea they have so many different companies because wow. it's open for use for you know everyone, including Porsche and Audi. But that's what a big operation they are and how much sheer boots on the ground, as the military say. One small part of the testing regime for new models. And I went up there and I went to have a look at this. I went up and drove up to this hotel. You can drive up to the hotel and then the test track and all the other facilities are behind it and they're hidden, obviously. Mm. But I realised there's one road in and one road out, and they do do on-road testing. And now I've looked at all these spy photos that are coming out of VW Group stuff on winter testing this winter season, and I know exactly where every single photo is taken, and it's at the junction at the end of that road because <laughs> there's no escape. So some bloke just sits there in a car with a, not even a long lens, a normal camera. You can do it with a phone. And it's just, yeah, have a look. There's always the same road signs in the background on that junction. It's the shooting fish in a barrel. I love that kind of You've been there. You've been listening to Richard Porter. Goodbye. To Zog. Goodbye. I was Gareth. We haven't even talked about China. 
that's a whole other conversation. But as we've talked about British car manufacturing a lot in this programme today, here's a song about a famous Britain. This is one in the style of Ian Jury and the Blockheads, a song about a British hero, Johnny Herbert. See ya. This is a song from the Middle East, and by that I mean Brentwood in Essex. Track it so quick I make you look crappy. You I will that pace. Without trademarks more up on my face, I'll be going like their clappers. Quicker than your brandles, shoemakers. My legs ain't perfect, but let's celebrate with the Sherbet. I can't say that I was unhurt, but I'm alright, John, I'm alright, Johnny. Some mechanic of a twit left a loose spanner in the sound, but it's got bit that could have hurt someone. My legs ain't perfect, but let's celebrate with a sherbet. I can't say that I was unhurt, but I'm alright, John. I'm alright, Johnny Herbert. I was in a flaming 91 Lotus Slower and more vocal than a diesel Ford Focus I'm a walkie-talking advert for the abilities of the disabled What's a lad from Essex to do when no other deal is tabled? My legs ain't perfect But let's celebrate with a Sherbet I can't say that I was unhurt But I'm alright, John if you think I'm in reverie, then that's a misconception. But allow me to take one glance back as I make an exception. When Shumi took out Damon, and I don't mean for a drink, somebody had to win the British Grand Prix. Who's your bloody fake? So I put my best foot forward, only got one, don't you know? At Silverstone, I wasn't alone. They said, Go, Johnny, go! Go, Johnny, go, Johnny, go, Johnny, go! Formula One on the podium, seven times and three at number one. And finally, did I mention that I won at Le Mans? Now my legs ain't perfect, but let's celebrate with a Sherbet. I can't say that I was unhurt, but I'm alright, John. Send the 
an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, follow us on Twitter, or to find out about sponsorship opportunities, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed!